Welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lab. In this week's episode, we're diving into Kyle Morikawa's unraveling at Kapalua. John Rahm going on another Rom page and a few other highlights and lowlights from the 2023 lid lifter at Kapalua. But first, Rex, I've got the Georgia visor on, a tribute to the great Kirby Smart. I've got my Georgia t-shirt on. Uh, admittedly, I am a little bit slow moving this morning. We're recording this at 8 a.m. following the national championship game. But look, look this is what's going to happen, Rex, uh, on the heels of a historic 65-7 to beatdown in the national championship game. My dogs, back-to-back. Can you believe it? They went 41 years without winning a national title. When I was in school from 05 to 09, they had great players, great talents. They went on to have great NFL careers, but all we had to show for it was just like some lowly uh, bowl game victories. And so this is very sweet, and I'm savoring this one because it just doesn't happen that often. Four, just four times since 1990 has the team gone back-to-back. Uh, yeah, you look a little rough this morning. You sound yep. a little rough, yep. which I expected. Which when you sent me the text asking to do this first thing Tuesday morning, I thought that's a bad move. That that desperate that's, times. Yeah, that that's a bad move. Although, did you make it to the whole game? Did you do like the rest of America and just go to sleep at halftime? I would I would have loved to see the ratings for like the first quarter and then what it looked like in the third. I'm like they were so I'm I'm not sure how much you watched. Like they pulled Stetson Bennett, the quarterback, with ten minutes left. In the fourth quarter. And like Jalen Carter and the rest of the defensive starters were out with eight minutes left. Like, has that ever happened in a national championship game? That they're giving guys curtain calls with like basically the entire fourth quarter left? Well, and if they didn't do it, like when I first saw the score, I went to bed at halftime. When I saw the score, I was like, well, why did they keep the starters in until the very end? Like, well, why did he run up the score? Like, why would you do that to poor TCU? It's, it's been a good feel-good story. Like, what, what, what are we rubbing their noses in this for? Why are they the bad dogs? And then I looked, and you're right. Like, all the starters got pulled out, and the second string was still just picking them up and throwing them off the field. It was, it was a dominant performance. I mean, man. the second and third string were, were still scoring touchdowns. It wasn't like they had to go for a fourth and five. Uh, deep in TCU territory, which felt a little bit unnecessary. But like TCU's only score of the game came on a 60-yard blown coverage, and they punched it in a couple of plays later. Just an absolute uh, demolition in a championship game. And I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, Rex, because this is just the will. beginning of, of 2023. Like They're kind of built to last now. I know Stetson Bennett wow, uh, is heading off the NFL draft. I know Jalen Carter's heading off the NFL draft. A couple of other players as well, Healy Ringo. Uh, what is Stetson Bennett heading off to the NFL draft for? So this is very interesting. So back in 2020, is when he, he gonna first, be a, when he first the took the reins, is that what he's going into I the wanted NFL no, I wanted nothing to do with Stetson Bennett. I thought he was a joke. I thought it was actually an embarrassment to Georgia that a walk-on walk was starting for like a top 10 program. Like In hindsight, like that is just an incredible story that they even got to that scenario. And now... After last year's national championship game, he was still kind of looking over his shoulder. I actually think he will have a long career in the NFL. I don't think he'll do so as a starter, but the attitude that he has, the intelligence that he has, the emotional and physical maturity at age 25, like I envision him as to be a Chase Daniel where he's going to be in the NFL for 10, 15 years, make $50 million, and really help his team win in a backup quarterback capacity that's kind of how i i see him i think nfl teams would love to have him as like a fourth fifth sixth round pick 
He's Geno Smith 10 years from now. Suddenly he's going to land be. on some team, probably out be. in the West somewhere, San Francisco or L.A., one of those teams, and all of a sudden it's going to be like, wow, Stetson Bennett, guy's pretty good. Turns I mean, out he like, is SB4. He's like my size. Like he's not quite as sculpted uh, as, as, as I am. Um, but, I mean, there's, there's no doubt that he's quick and he possesses like the football IQ uh, in order to be a, a difference maker in like a, like a, a practice type scenario not i'm not saying he is a starting quarterback in the nfl but i think nfl teams will definitely grab him for fourth fifth sixth round he should just skip all of it and just start the empire in georgia just four dealerships all across georgia <laughs> start yeah. start it at st simon's island work your way across to augusta like all the way across the state there was a pretty infamous story that came out i think from this fall where apparently stetson bennett threw a stink at a restaurant uh, it's it's like the it's I think it's at Last Resort, which is like the go to restaurant in Athens. It's like a three hundred dollar bill. First, he threw a stink because it wasn't comped. Second, uh, he was he was so mad about it he gave like a ten dollar tip, uh, and that went pretty viral. Uh, folks, if you live in Athens and you see Stetson Bennett, don't just buy him his meal. Don't just don't just buy him a drink. Like do whatever he wants. <laughs> give him give him whatever he wants. He owns the state of Georgia. It's one of the most unbelievable stories that we've ever seen. In college football, I am proud to be a Georgia Bulldog. Right. Rex, we will Congrats. move on. We Glad will move, you survived. That was, that, was, that was five minutes of football yeah. talk. Uh, the, the, the reviews say that we need to button that up. So we'll move on to the Century Tournament of Champions. A little bit unexpected. When I went to sleep on Saturday night, Kyle Morikawa, six-shot lead, seven shots over John Rom. It certainly felt like this was going to be uh, another crowning achievement for a player who surprisingly hadn't won in 17 months. And Rex, you kind of had an infamous uh, comment on a couple of different golf channel platforms where you said that Kyle Morikawa is either going to win a major or he's going to fall outside the top 25. You I don't know how to sure. feel about any of this. You were definitely yeah. sweating, though, on Saturday night. Were you not that, that Kyle Morikawa had suddenly rediscovered his game and was about to launch into 2023? I mean, he, yeah, looked, I didn't he, looked, know. he looked phenomenal. I mean, through the first three rounds, he looked absolutely dominant. And this was, I think we, we talked about this last week, that I, I spoke with someone from his team. Uh, I was in Los Angeles last week, and, and I was talking with someone from his team and how confident he is in his ball striking, which, I mean, I don't know why he's ever not confident with his ball striking. It seems like it's always going where he's looking. But the bigger thing was is how much confidence he's gained on the greens and how much confidence he's gained with his short game. Yes, like Saturday night was very Saturday night, early Sunday morning was very uncomfortable for me because I'm just staring at these stats and I'm like I had to sit down Sunday morning with my cup of coffee like, man, I, I was wrong. Like I, I'm gonna have to completely circle back around. I still feel like I'm wrong. To be clear, whatever it is that happened Sunday that he spit this up and we can dissect. This and is we always will. the fun. <laughs> well, and this is always the fun thing to do, right? So, so did more Kawa choke it away or did John Rom win it? I, I don't know the answer. How is I land yes. on that one. <laughs> the answer <laughs> the is yes. The, an I mean, the answer is yes. I mean, John Rom had an incredible final round, and yes, there was a lot of things more Kawa could have done that that could have changed that outcome. Little things that could have changed that outcome. Just simple chip shots. It seems like that he was suddenly became un, incapable uh, of manufacturing. However, I, I kind of would would give it to John Rom because you look at his. I mean, if you look at what he did Sunday statistically, really off the tee. And that's the type of golf course where you can dominate it off the tee, and he did that. It's just a little bit of context. Before it sounds like we're being too critical 
about Colin Morikawa's final round. I do, I do think that the that the steps he has made to address what are pretty glaring weaknesses in his game will be very beneficial in the long run. So he hired putting coach Stephen Sweeney, who's very well respected, worked with a ton of guys on the PJ Tour. He hired him last fall. They've been working together for a couple of months. Uh, Kyle Morikawa just started seeing. I would I would call it informally. Uh, Parker McLaughlin, former tour pro, nicknamed the short game chef. And so I thought Brandel Chambly, I thought Paul Azinger did a wonderful job did. of illustrating on the broadcast exactly why Kamurakawa has always had these deficiencies. It goes with a bowed left wrist. As, as great as of a position as that is with his iron play, uh, it makes making consistent uh, contact uh, around the greens that much more challenging and so that is you're, you're basically changing not to use a, an old tiger phrase release patterns motor patterns like that's he that's what he's trying to change around the green something that's been ingrained for the past 25 years the putting though I, I think is sustainable because you and I have had this debate uh, on the podcast before whenever he seems to win major championships he puts well whenever he seems to putt well in regular PJ Tour events he either wins or he comes very close we have a sample size of seven tournaments in which if he gains at least one stroke per round on the greens Kamarakawa either wins or finishes inside the top five that is at this point an indisputable fact however as Kamarakawa was the first to admit that was kind of guesswork Rex like he didn't know what was working well it was just it just sort of clicked that week, but he didn't really understand the why. Steven Sweeney has done a lot to refine Kyle Morikawa's uh, putting stroke. It's It certainly looks different. I think even novices like you and I can tell that it's a longer backswing and he kind of like drops the putter head on the back of the ball as opposed to kind of rushing through, which is why his speed control was so bad. So I, I do feel like the, uh, the putting prowess that he showed, particularly through, I'd say, like 63 holes, is sustainable. And it just kind of let him down, as is is want to do when you have these pressure situations like trying to close out a tournament for the first time in 17 months. To your point, he gained five and a half strokes on the field putting. So if he does that, he's, he's going to – you're right. He's either going to contend – And, and what happens? To win. He, he, fin- he finished second. Like it's, if, if he putts well, he's going, to, he's going to come close to winning, if not, if not winning. And by comparison, around the greens, he lost strokes. So I think – I mean – very, very rarely do you end up with a world-class player that's as good as Colin Morikawa, that he has the type of deficiencies where you and I can, can pencil this in every single week. Morikawa is going to do what he's going to do tee to green. What's going to define his week is what he does around and on the greens. And in this particular case, I mean, that's a, that's a perfect picture. If you're painting by numbers, this is how Colin Morikawa is going to have success, and this is how he's going to have failure. You're right. I love the way Azinger kind of broke down where he's at in, in that stroke. And uh, I think there was a moment like midway through the round where Azinger actually kind of craw- seemed to crawl inside his head. And he's he's reverting back to old tendencies now instead of staying with the new stuff. And that's when I think he got in trouble. I actually had a long conversation with Paul about this in the Bahamas about Morikawa's chipping. And he kind of broke it <laughs> down for him. And, and, I, and I actually talked to Azinger about this at the President's Cup. He and, he, and I, he and I were watching, I think it was the first or second hole at Quill Hollow, obviously very grainy Bermuda. And he's like, He's 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 completely lost. He has no idea what to do and how to play those particular shots. And so, look, and Kyle Morikawa has worked informally with Paul Azinger in the past, so he's a very good reference on this. But it, it's it's very much Rex a work in progress around the greens, and it's like a Victor Hovland type situation where where something something has to give. And I'm sure he'll make strides eventually. I don't think he'll ever be like an elite chip of the golf ball. He just can't be quite as bad as he is right now. 
Well, and I don't think he's ever going to be an elite putter. I mean, this goes back to what I've kind of always said about Colin Morikawa. Just be average. Just be, just average, be average, and you can win his, a lot. His his ball striking is so much better than everyone else's. He is he is in a category by himself in in that particular category. It's the same thing with Rory and driving the ball. If if Rory does anything else well, he's probably going to, as you said, either win or finish inside the top ten. Just for funsies, because I had such a nervous weekend, I went back and looked at uh, the punch shot that we did last week, uh, and. <laughs> Let's just roll through this real quick. Who wins player of the year? I picked Tony Finau. Tony got off to an okay start to the season. You picked Xander. How do you feel about that? <laughs> that, was, uh, that, was, that was one of the lowlights that we were going to bring up from the Century Tournament of Champions. He's, he's, currently, he's currently undergoing an MRI. And Rex, who, and who is my player of the year from 2022 that I picked? Uh, JT, right? Or Xander? Kyle Morikawa. Kyle Morikawa, <laughs> who, who, who had his lone winless season in 2022. So, yeah, this is exactly why... We should never make predictions. So you, you, asked, you asked the question at the beginning of the segment, Rex, like did, did Morikawa lose it or did John Rahm win it? I, I think like, it's certainly a little bit of both. I would say 70-30 Morikawa lost it. John Rahm won it. The reason I say so is Kyle Morikawa's final round 72 was the uh, second worst score of the day. Only Ryan Brown with a 78. Ooh, welcome to paradise. Uh, had a worse score on Sunday. Morikawa's 72 was three and a half shots worse than the field average. Uh, on what is uh, inarguably one of the easiest golf courses of the entire PGA Tour season. But this this tournament, Rex, was lost on holes 14, 15, and 16. The field played those holes in 44 under par, and Kawa Morikawa didn't just make his first bogey of the tournament. He made three in a row over that stretch to basically gift this one to John Rahman. It really wasn't even close as, as Kawa Morikawa played the final two holes and so during that stretch there was missed 10 footers there was there was bladed bunker shots there was chunked pitch shots like it was it was running the gamut of of my god cover your eyes and so i i think i would veer towards kyle morikawa losing this one as opposed to john rom winning this one and we're going to get into john rom in a second but you 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 at least have to admit like morikawa did not help himself and if he if he plays anywhere close if, if he just shoots the field average on sunday he wins which All he has what, to do is play 70, average. 70, 69, it was 68 and a half. 68 and a half is the field average. Like, that's all he has to do. Uh, I, I'm going to go a little the other way a little bit. When you look at John Rahm, the way he played those exact holes, he was six under over his last seven holes. Like, it's kind of hard to beat that. He went birdie, 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 eagle uh, over that stretch of holes that you're talking about. I mean, you're right. Like, Colin Morikawa needed to do the bare minimum to at least keep pace with John Rahm in this situation, and he did not do it. I'm not quite sure even if Morikawa was playing, I don't know, marginally better, if he did shoot the average, even if he would have lost, even if he still would have won. Because I just think John Rahm was just on one of those tears. We've seen it from him before. You're right. Morikawa clearly could have done something better. But, man, when, Moore, when, when John Rahm is playing like that and he's dominating the field, put a new driver in play last week, like all of the things that we sit and watch, that, that was impressive. Yeah, Morikawa did not make a putt longer than two feet uh, from hole seven to hole 17 that is just not going to get it done on a Sunday I'm glad you mentioned John Rahm's driving because it always seems I wrote about this on Monday scramble on golfchannel.com it always seems Rex like the default answer to the question who is the best driver on the PGA Tour like everyone just says Rory like no one does what Rory McIlroy can do with a driver he launches it specifically for a guy who's five foot nine like it's just unfathomable the distances that he can hit it however Factually, statistically, 
accurately, John Rahm is the best driver of the golf ball on the PGA Tour. He was last season, and he is this season as well. And what I really like to see from John Rahm is that he has gotten better over the past five years. 0.692 in 2018-19. He has continually increased to now where he is gaining more than a shot on the field per round with his driver. And I thought it really boiled down to the reason why he won this golf tournament. You mentioned the back nine, 31. The, the, the key to me was the 15th hole. Reachable par five for every single player in the field. And instead of kind of leaving it on the top shelf where you have the hanging lie, it's either going to be like a four and Morikawa hit a five wood, uh, ended up missing right of the green, trickles down into what is uh, one of the most difficult places to pitch from on the entire PGA Tour schedule. Instead, John Rahm rockets it down the hill, 355 yards, and has a three-quarter eight iron that he hits to 11 feet, pours in the eagle putt. And within a couple minutes, uh, within a couple minutes of that, he is one shot. Uh, ahead of Colin Morikawa. Like, if 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 you're a PGA Tour player and John Rahm is two or three shots behind as you guys are making the turn, like, you almost have to expect that John Rahm at this point is going to hunt you down. His driver is such a weapon. He has so much confidence. He's putting. I feel like you can actually ask John Rahm about his putting now because he's putting exceedingly yeah, well. Yes, you can. No, you can't. <laughs> That is a that is a long that is that is a long ten months. Uh, it, he is he is putting so well right now. He he's going to hunt you down. You know it. He knows it, and we all know it that he knows it. Uh, good debate. Uh, as you said that that he's better than Rory statistically, he certainly is. over the last probably two years, you would say. And I'll even take it a step further. I think when it comes to the big miss, I feel like Rory has more of the big misses. Than John does. Hooks, I mean, John will hooks, miss fairways. Hooks and slices. Hooks and slices. Rory can go get it going both ways in, in a situation. I, I don't know if I'm willing to give him the crown over a 10 year period. I, I kind of would want to see a bigger case study than the last two years. But I, I, I'm going to go the other way. I think it, it was his putting. And John, I'm sorry to bring up your putting. I, I know you're sensitive about this, but you were first in the field. Anymore. And, and putting at Kapalua. Apparently, you have figured it out. I love the idea that I think he said this early in the week last week that, you know, he, he's tired of hearing people uh, complain about his putting. Who is complaining about his putting? John who, who, is saying, who is saying he's a bad putter? Is he one of? Is he the tour's best? No, no, he's not Brad Faxon. He, he's probably never going to be bad, Brad Faxon. But he can have his weeks. And look, Kapalua is not an easy putting course. If you look at it statistically, it's probably one of the harder courses on tour, just because the greens are so big. You're giving yourself a lot of opportunities from 30 feet, and that usually doesn't add up to very good putting stats. If he can do what he did off the tee and lead the field in putting. That's impressive. The fact that neither one of us even sniffed around him for player of the year is probably no, enough to make both of us nervous for the next six months. It's the same thing, I think, every single year where he plays one tournament at the, like the, at the early stages, whether it's, it, whether it's uh, Kapalua, whether it's Torrey Pines, whether he plays in the Middle East, whatever it is. I'll watch him play like the first tournament of the year, and I say, oh, how, do you, like, how, does, how do you not pick this guy to win five or six times? Like, he's so good. He's so talented. He's so complete. Throughout the bag, the, the putting is not John Rahm's weakness. It's not uh, his short game or his chipping and it's pitching, regardless not. of what you saw with his strokes game metrics. It's his, it's his approach play. Like, if John Rahm just tightens up his approach play just a little bit, we're looking at a guy who's an absolute menace, a guy who could actually fulfill the promise of me saying that he's going to top five in every single major in 2022 and then not, of course, have a top ten at all. <laughs> like, John, John Rahm is going to get his, and, it, and he could factor in every single major, because he's that good, he's that complete, 
and he's that he's that talented. And I think now he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. You mentioned the world ranking. He remained unchanged even with the victory. It's now his third in his last five worldwide starts. He remained at uh, number five in the world rankings. You can't tell me that he is, if not the best player in the world, the second best player. Like, can't lay. No. Scotty Scheffler. No. Mm. Cam Smith. I don't know. We haven't seen him uh, play maybe uh, against a good field in a good long while. Like John Rom is an absolute menace, and I think he's I think he's poised for a monster year here. Well, and this was a reflection of the new world ranking that the new world ranking does not like limited fields, which is ironic because that seems to me where professional golf is going. A, a conversation for another day, but yes, he he did not get nearly the points you would have imagined for not just a limited field event, but this was the first designated event. This had almost all of the top players. I think the only player that was missing was Rory, correct? If I'm not correct. Rory, Shane Lowry, oh. uh, we're also not there. Uh, so it, this is more of a byproduct of that. And, and to take it a step further, I think it's going to take another probably year for the world ranking cycle to work its way through. And maybe Rory probably shouldn't be the world number one right now, but you're right. John Rahm should be much I mean, better. And Rory, like Rory is not finishing outside the top six either. It's like these two players have separated themselves. And look, Scotty Scheffler is still playing very good golf. He, he closed out 2022, I think, in a way that was pleasing to him after a little bit of a down stretch. He had uh, some, a couple of good starts uh, at, at Mayakoba, and then he had, a, he had a, a pretty good chance, actually, to get back to world number one uh, with a top, I believe it's a top three finish at Kapalua and just was unable to get it done. And so I think there's, there's definitely tears to this, Rex. Like, it's hard to say that Rory McIlroy is not the uh, – clear-cut number one when he, he he doesn't finish outside the top six anymore. But John Rahm's getting those those trophies, those Ws, uh, that you would expect the top player in the world to do. What else stood out to you about the first event of 2023? Did it feel different at all to you now that the Century Tournament Champions was one of these designated events, had all the top players gathering on Maui? It felt like the start of a new era as the Tour kind of strengthens and, and buckles down to, to fight against live golf? Uh, it felt bigger. And, and I think if you needed any example of why, whatever it is the tour is doing right now, why it's at least working on some level, it's the fact you had John Rahm and Colin Morikawa going head-to-head over, the, over our final Sunday. You had two of the game's biggest players, two guys that are in the pip, two guys who are always in the, in the headlines going head-to-head. And that's what the tour wants. That's what this is all about. So it, at least in the short term, if you just want to say if there's a proof of concept in this, that's it. That, okay, if we do put the top players together more often at the bigger events and bigger purses, then we're going to end up with a better product. I don't think you can deny that. I, I also think, Rex, and you've covered this for a number of years before uh, you know that, that, that first-class ticket to Kapalua uh, was one of the first things to go in our revamped travel budget. But but look, I think <laughs> just 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 pour just pour one out for Kapalua. Um, I think I think the attitude, I think the vibe around this tournament has changed in recent years. Like I remember watching when I was younger, it seemed like it was just a, an excuse to get a family vacation out of it, and guys were showing up super rusty, and they were just happy to knock the rust off. They would shoot a couple seventy twos and then stay a couple of extra days on Maui before heading back to the mainland. I think that attitude has changed where guys are staying sharper in December, and they're showing up now at the first event of 2023. With I mean, it was a $2.7 million first-place check for first place. Like, guys aren't content anymore just to get a vacation out of it. Like, they, they understand 
the the points, they understand the money, they understand the prestige, and I think that has made a better product than this designated feel. Like it feels important now when in the past, yeah. and, and you could probably speak to it, where it was just kind of laid back and chill. Well, and I'll, I'll go even further. I mean, this is this is probably going back to to when you were in college. That there was a time when the tour wasn't sure if this this tournament could even go forward because there was a long stretch of time when Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, the two biggest players in the game at the time, never went to Maui. Like Tiger took it off his schedule early. There were just things he didn't like: the Kona wins, he didn't like the Grand I mean, Roy, Greens. Roy's only played it once over the past handful of years. Yeah, and and Phil was kind of the same way that that there really was no motivation whatsoever for these guys to go. So you ended up with a very lackluster field. You're right. It felt like it almost felt like a continuation of the challenge season, the silly season. Like this felt like oh, we're back in December. We're playing the PNC, the father son, whatever the case may be. That kind of changed with the younger generation. That changed before the tour stepped in and it became a designated event. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, these younger players decided, no, I, I like this. This is a good way for me to start my season. Look how many guys are, are going to Sony. I know we're going to kind of pivot to next week's field, but I, I'm always shocked when you have that many guys who make the trip all the way over to Hawaii and decide I'm going to hang around for another week in Honolulu. Now you factor into that it does have the bigger purse. You pointed out how much it's calling for them. The fact is, you're playing against the best players. I mean, I think that motivates guys. I think we dismiss this too much. I think the top players want to compete week in and week out against the top players. They don't want to show up and play against a weaker field. So I think all of those things make it just a bigger event, and that's what we saw last weekend. Name change in order since it is no longer the Century Tournament of Champions. It's, a, it's the Century Tournament of Champions plus Tour Championship qualifiers there's a lot of scuttlebutt on twitter that this needs to be renamed folks get your priorities in order if the tour wants to change the name they can change the name look at wait wrong way oh, there it is look at look at our new name see it look at that oh what, yeah what do, you, what do you think of look that? at those look at those new graphics well done folks Golf our, our names, our, our names are, are are bold they're big they're uh, block letters uh, how did i very, get top billing i don't know Lavin huh? rex rex and lav sounds better than lav and rex i think that's I think this how, how it went. I don't know. I, I feel know like this. your negotiations did not go well. If I ended up with top billing, how did that happen? Seniority over over beauty. I'm not. I'm not quite sure uh, what the order is going with there. Rex, you, you mentioned the trip to Sony. Can I just noticed out? you changed hats. How many? How oh, many yeah. are we going to do in this? How oh. many hats are we going to plow through here? I mean, I've I've got so many more <laughs> on the wall that we can certainly get to. We're trying to keep this podcast uh, around thirty to forty minutes because there are, <laughs> there are definitely some things uh, that are that are happening in my house right now. Can we also can we shout? You mentioned the, the trip to Sony. Can we shout out former uh, TCU alum Tom Hoagie who flew from Maui <sighs> to LA so to bad. watch the game to watch his Horn Frogs get beat down sixty five to seven and is now flying back to Honolulu, embarrassed, humbled, uh, certainly disappointed. And going to play the Sony Open. Look, he he said it was like. Why a first are you taking such a perverse pleasure in that? Like, like dial that down. Is that man. is that not hilarious? We didn't hear Kevin Kisner say, "Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to the game." Like TCU had to have known, and Tom Oki had to have known, making that five hour flight to L.A. Like they they were gonna get boot stomped. I didn't think they're gonna. It was gonna boot be large. I think it was gonna be a large margin Back of victory on this again. in bowl in bowl history. Literally fifty eight points, largest in bowl history. I did not think that was gonna happen. But like, no sane person would think. TCU is going to win that game, and yet he still he still endures that flight. I hope I hope Tom Hoagie plays well because otherwise that was very much not worth the extra airfare. Uh, I will say this: after last week's podcast, I spoke with a mutual friend of ours at the tour, Amanda Harrington. Hello, Amanda, who is also a huge Georgia fan, and she could not have Girl's, been more so livid. Jack Ryan, shout out Jack. 
That's right. She could not have been more livid, though, the way you sort of waded into last week's podcast. And it seemed like a very dangerous game, that you were wearing the hat, you were wearing the shirt, of course, everything in the background. This is just what I wear. Uh, that's that's true. That's true. You could be a little bit more professional and put on something <laughs> golfy, but it, if next you want to, next week <laughs> we was, get back was, to the golf next I was, week. I was wearing my DeAndre Swift jersey uh, in last week's podcast. I was wearing it last night. Can't put uh, stickers all over it, uh, so I need to make sure I do not run that through the wash, or it is going to get ruined. Uh, a couple other highlights, or I guess lowlights, that I wanted to touch on Rex from the tournament of champions. You mentioned Xander Shoffley. Ooh, that is just. A bad beat on my part. I picked him to be player of the year. He t- so he turned up at Kapalua, and you probably had firsthand knowledge of this, seeing Xander Schauffele at the Hero World Challenge. He said he was bothered uh, by a back injury there. Decided to continue playing in what was a 20-man exhibition. Really nothing at stake other than a couple of world ranking points. In hindsight, maybe that wasn't a great idea if he was not playing well. Did not get an MRI at that time. Uh, flew over to Hawaii felt terrible, and ended up pulling out midway through the second round. I'm not quite ready to sound the alarm on Xander Schauffele. I, I Just listening to Xander's um, uh, media remarks afterward, he, he sounded a little bit concerned just because he's never had a back injury before, doesn't know what's going on, and it kind of popped up uh, out of the blue after about a month away. But I'm more interested in his upcoming schedule. Xander was supposed to play four of the next six weeks, uh, including next week's American Express, where you will be uh, reporting for Golf Central. This is a busy time of year that he had scheduled and dealing with a back injury, which is a uh, kind of kryptonite for every golfer, is a little bit concerning at this stage of the season. Well, and and I know it was half in jest, but there I feel like there was also a level of frustration that he, he sort of joked to the, about the idea that I just should have stayed chubby. I, I should have just kept eating the bad things and not exercised. And, and if all of these chubby, players, if that's chubby, what does he think about us? Uh, well, I, I would go pear shaped. Is what, that's that's the way I feel about right about now is pear shaped, uh, which is kind of funny because he has put a lot of work into his body. I, I guess the the concern here is because he's young. I'm going to, to limit my level of concern. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and panic. That being said, this is nothing to mess around with. We've seen it time and time and time again where young careers get derailed because of back injuries. You and I, had, I think, had this long conversation last week about Willie Zel- Zelatoris. And so there is a, a level of concern. I, I'm probably not going to freak out that he withdrew from Maui because that, to me, is a pretty easy one. You're right. It's a busy schedule. He loves the West Coast. Coming up, I think we'll know more by the time we get through the West Coast. But right now, I'm not overly worried about it. He said he was going to undergo an MRI exam once he got back home in Las Vegas this week. So I guess we can uh, keep refreshing our Instagram and Twitter accounts when he puts out an update. But uh, Xander Schauffele was supposed to play four of the next six weeks, including next week's tournament at PGA West. So keep an eye on that. Speaking of back injuries, uh, Will Zalatoris returned for the first time in four months, shot a 65 in the final round. That's eight under uh, on the plantation course. Oh, what Kyle Morikawa would have given for that to finish T11 in his first start back. That was good to see. Tom Kim, uh, I thought we learned even more about him. Having having Christmas dinner with the Spieths, uh, that seems like the bromance uh, that the golf world didn't quite know that we needed. Um, but it's some very interesting remarks from Jordan Spieth as well. Uh, now that Tom Kim's moved in, moved in Dallas, he's now worked with Cameron McCormick, Spieth's longtime coach. He's practicing out at Trinity uh, Forest, uh, which is uh, Spieth's 
home club. It seems like Tom Kim's like youthful exuberance, his energy, his enthusiasm is actually like influencing Spieth a little bit. He kind of is feels like he's looking a little bit in the rearview mirror and flashing back to the way that he first splashed onto us. I think that relationship could actually be beneficial for both of them. Well, remember uh, back not that long ago, but let's go back a decade with Phil Mickelson. He was kind of an energy vampire like that, right? At, at every Ryder Cup, at every President's Cup, he wanted to play with the Anthony Kims or Keegan Bradley, Bradley at the time. Yeah. yeah, so he wanted that sort of influx of youthful energy. He wanted to hang around these younger players. And I think to a certain level, I mean, Jordan's still very young, but I think on some level, yeah, absolutely. If you have the opportunity, especially when you're at home and you can get a game and, and it's fun and it's relaxed, and, and I think everyone – from what we saw at the President's Cup, can attest that uh, Tom Kim is going to fit in very well on the PGA Tour. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Spieth isn't the last person to sort of glom on to Tom Kim because I think all of us need some some of that. Uh, one other interesting thing that I wanted to point out was Patrick Cantley revealing that he doesn't just need a new apparel partner, but he is also an equipment-free agent. He has played Titleist clubs exclusively throughout his career, and yet they couldn't come to a contract extension so when i think back to this i think brooks kepka is the is the perfect example of a player who betted himself and just kind of played the equipment that was best for him worked out and he won four major championships uh in what was clearly the prime of his career do you think that this is a kind of a danger game if patrick cantley's trying out new equipment or do you think that this could actually be beneficial for him where he's kind of betting on himself and as i've kind of always said on this podcast there is no way that a single equipment manufacturer makes the best 14 clubs in the bag there's no way that a particular brand brand x makes the best driver fairway woods irons wedges and putter there's no way and so i kind of like the flexibility and the freedom that a patrick cantley might get by picking choosing what is absolutely the best for him and i actually think it could be uh kind of a boon for him in the long run no, I thought it was a great idea when Brooks did it. Because to your point, why wouldn't you be a free agent? Because whatever money you're leaving on the table by not signing an equipment t- deal with Brand X, you're able to use whatever you feel like is best. And, and that's ball, driver, everything is best. You're more than going to make up for that on the golf course. Now, that being said, you do need to be able to offset that with another sponsor, which Patrick has on the front of the hat. He's got a financial sponsor who wants the front of the hat. And that probably factors in a little bit. As well here, there's some. I was talking with some agents last week just about the Patrick Cantlay situation, and it's it's kind of an interesting situation that the manufacturers are in. And let's let's use Titleist as a perfect example. Titleist had some young players who probably performed better than they had anticipated. I mean, specifically Tom Kim, uh, Will Zalatoris, um, Cameron, Cameron Young. Young. Yeah, so these guys who they had probably projected to be top 20 players suddenly became top 10 players. Well, there's bonuses involved. And now all of a sudden, Tylus gets to what they consider a salary cap. I mean, they don't want to go, they can, they just don't want to go beyond that. And in this particular scenario, Patrick probably became something of an expendable resource because of everything that they have around him. There's also the idea here, and I thought this was fascinating, that everyone's numbers in the world ranking as of right now are skewed. Because of all the players essentially have been removed or are falling outside the world ranking because of live golf. If you look at all those top players who aren't getting points now, now you have a situation where a player that's a top 20 player probably isn't a top 20 player. And the manufacturers know this. And as they go into negotiations, I'm not saying Patrick is that guy, but you're certainly going to end up with a situation where there's people inside the top 20 right now that probably want to get paid like a top 20 player. And the manufacturers just aren't going to do it. 
Uh, only a handful of top 20 players this week are in the field at the Sony Open at Wiley. Completely different test, completely different golf course than what we saw at the Plantation Course at Capitol. You and I are going to get into the Sony Open field, which is headlined by Jordan Spieth and Tom Kim, that growing bromance. We'll get into that on our hit uh, for golf today on Wednesday. Make sure you guys check that out on Golf Channel. But we will get out of here, Rex, with this. What's on the grill? It's super wild card weekend. Our Jacksonville Jaguars, our hashtag our Jags, uh, are in the playoffs the first time in five years. I need to switch out to my Jags hat. But I, just I was about to it. say, do you, do you have a it Jags is, hat? Do you have a Jags is, shirt? It is just out of reach. I do. Oh we, were go- we were going to go to the game, and then the tickets have skyrocketed to like 600. 600 really? per. Yeah. To see the Chargers, uh, which is not ideal. But what are your plans uh, on the grill for the Super Wild Card weekend? Well, I'll go back to last night for the national championship game on Monday night. We did pork belly tacos, which has kind of oh, become fantastic. Oh, they were so good. My kids absolutely love them. Uh, this weekend, uh, I haven't put much thought into it. I haven't done a pork butt in a long time, so I, I may revisit that. I don't know. I, like I said, I did ribs a couple weeks ago, and I was very proud of that. Have you transitioned already? What is that? Is that a Jags hat you got going it's on? Jags here? hat. Jags wow, hat that's cel- that Georgia celebration was quick. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Uh, I do not yet have the plans. Cam's got a flag football game on Saturday, which is going to kind of uh, eat into my plans. I'll definitely do something. I sent you a Snapchat from from the Blackstone, uh, which you do oh, not have because you have, those you, have a great, so good. you have a great TV as well. Got a big uh, we TV, some, yeah. We That's did right. some smash burgers. Uh, I'm thinking of doing uh, a pork butt that could feed a whole lot of people if we have a party. There is just so much going on. At the house, Rex, we got uh, the cleaning crew. Uh, there's going to be some jackhammering uh, in the garage here momentarily, which is why we're wrapping this up as quickly as we are. And then the outdoor kitchen, after months of planning, uh, the roof uh, of the pergola is finally being put on today. Folks, it's finally getting done today. Fingers crossed that this thing is done by the Super Bowl. I'd love to have you over, Rex, for the Players' Championship. I invited you over last year. Uh, somehow, despite being like literally 13 minutes away, uh, you did not venture over to the house. I'm sure you will remedy that, remedy that this time around. Uh, the Blackstone is going to get broken out, and the kitchen's going to be ready. I, you keep yeah. mentioning that kitchen, but I don't think you have the proper paperwork. Like if the homeowners comes ro- rolling through, are you going to? Are you good? Or are you going to have to start talking fast? So the HOA here. So I live in this. Uh, it's a planned community called Nocatee. It's basically every everyone here is between the ages of 32 and 48. Everyone has uh, like two young kids. Like it's kind of the like ageist. Like a, a, a Pleasantville type vibe. There's water parks, there's playgrounds, there's a whole lot to do. However, the HOA is incredibly strict. And so for a pergola, like literally everyone can put that up. You can put that up, I can put that up. It doesn't really matter. Where the HOA comes in is that you are not allowed to have a fixed roof on your pergola if it does not match the rest of the roofs in the community. And we have tile roofs here. Obviously, you cannot put a tile roof on a pergola, it will collapse. It's just. It's just not a feasible solution. So the workaround that my friends at Acadia Outdoors have done is like this plexiglass roof. This sounds and so shady. Like technically, this sounds technically, so Rex, it is not fixed, but it is built to withstand a 175 mile an hour hurricane. So could it could it be removed if the HOA president wants to roll up and give it a final inspection? Sure, it could. It would probably uh, not not be a great type of situation, but technically it is not fixed. Thus, it does not need HOA approval. Now, we did notice walking to the mailbox the other day 
that you can see because uh, no leaves on the tree. You can see straight into the backyard. He will be able to see this roof structure. <laughs> we're, we're just hoping like the two blocks of the sidewalk, he does not stop and glance left and say, huh, wonder what's going on back there because that is Doesn't seem right in the design. I'm looking forward to it. I'll send you snappy chats along with uh, any other thing else that I cook on the Blackstone. All right, guys. Congratulations. All right, I'll give it to you. Thanks. I'm going to go transition back to my Georgia hat. Definitely going to sleep off this hangover. But thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lav. We'll talk to you next week. The recap of the Sony. Rex will be on his way to PGA West. Actually, pretty good field. We'll talk more about that as well with these non-designated events on the PGA Tour. Go dogs. <laughs>